imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Kevin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree to shop and nail it. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, uh, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Hey, here we are. This is a... This is, this is one of the first post-election protonics, I think. I think we... Did we get into it, Greg Pichotto? I don't remember. Well, it's a very different world right now. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I'm very excited today to talk to Mr. Tobias Nathaniel. This is a... He's a hell of an artist. He is kind of most known for an incredible band you may have heard of called The Black Art Procession. He's played on, uh, I feel like, one of the most interesting blonde redhead records. They, uh, he's, he's played with David J. Uh, kind of San Diego rock royalty, except, and this is this is here's the hook, everybody. His new band, The Red Step, which is awesome, and which he has a new record that either is coming out or has just come out, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, he's in Belgrade, <laughs> so he lives in Serbia. So he's a San Diego dude, and he lives in Serbia. Which is wild, and I'm sure we'll get into that. I'm looking forward to talking to him and getting to the bottom of all that. Yeah, the red step. Very excited. A little bit of housekeeping. Thanks, everybody, for sharing the episodes around, all the great feedback and everything. As always, protonicreversal.com for the archives to hear any of the shows. And if you want to hear them sooner, you see if you're like, hey, there's an episode that I want to hear, and it's not on my, my thing yet where it does the thing and it shows up. Well, it's probably not released on the free feed yet. Patreon.com slash Reversal. $1 a month will get you early access to everything. Warts and all. Because there's no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Cool, cool, cool. So anyway, Tobias Nathaniel. This is going to be rad. Uh, the Red Step's great. We'll play uh, some Red Step songs after after I have them on. But uh, let's just let's, uh, get right down to it, huh? Tobias, welcome Hello. to the show, man. It's so great to so great to have you on. This is a, I know this is a one of the the many time zone uh, <laughs> discrepancy things that we have on this show sometimes, where we have different time zones and uh, there's a lot to get together. So it's very exciting to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited, and of course, thank you for making the uh, you know arranging this uh, due to time zone issues. Very much appreciated. Yeah, so I was just listening to the new Red Step record, uh, and it's good stuff. This is, uh, 
there's got an incredible story behind it, and and I wonder if you're if you're already sick about telling the story of uh, <laughs> relocating and then putting the band together and and so on and so on, but it is much more interesting than yeah we just got three guys in a room we started playing and you know that that old John, uh, so right. I wonder if you could tell me about uh you know going to Belgrade and and how did the Red Step come to be come to pass. Sure. Uh, first of all, I should mention that uh, if I accidentally bust out into Serbian, it just means that I'm comfortable because I'll just lose track. I- I'll try not to. <laughs> but if you hear me say something like Dada or like Panarovnobre or, you know, Takoye, like that just means that I'm I'm cozy and, and all's going well or okay. I've just, you know, lost myself. So don't take offense. I, I think I had, a- I had something last night that I did where I think the, the host was confused and I'm like, oh, oops. <laughs> you, you almost want to uh sometimes have like the do you ever see the the really aggressive sign language people that are uh right that, that, that almost it's almost like an art form like they almost like make into a dance or something and they get really into it and stuff along those lines uh, right angrily signing yeah <laughs> exactly depending on the content yeah yeah so okay well let's see um Serbia. How did I end up here? Uh, well, uh, I'm really into brutalist architecture, mm, and New yeah. New Belgrade has uh, some of the most uh, some of the best examples of that. Just these gray, bleak, you know, like utilitarian concrete buildings, um, for as far as the eye can see. And I figured, you know, that's right up my alley, and I should move uh, to this place and you know feel totally comfortable and in my element. So is the architecture. I'm actually. I'm, I'm kidding. No, my, 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 wife is, my wife is from Belgrade. Gotcha. It's <laughs> the, the boring answer. <laughs> that's, say, that, that's the much much more understandable uh, answer. But I mean, it right. is a it is an interesting place and one that's that's almost uh, at least among Western culture like not thought of as like a musical hotspot. But I was I was thinking about it, and there I mean there are a lot of you know maybe just because I'm an Uber music nerd like you know there, there are a, there's a lot of music that. Uh, comes out of there that's you know kind of has a unique element that is almost getting lost these days as everything is sort of mishmashed into wherever it comes from it kind of all sounds the same and uh mm-hmm. you know I, I mean even in terms of like noise rock or like whatever like you know whatever whatever is coming out of it it has its own vibe even if it's not immediately able to pinpoint uh <laughs> I mean, is that something that you found with musicians and and with music and the uh, obviously being a dude from <laughs> this side of the pond? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I had I hadn't really you know done much research or heard much about anything you know concerning Serbian music, but there was a uh, a great movement in I believe like the seventies, eighties, um, with a lot of stuff like you know kind of experimental noise and. Um, like Akava, um, a handful of bands, but, um, yeah, now, um, now it's interesting. There's kind of like, there is, there is a scene, um, and there are a a lot of great bands, but it's, uh, kind of dominated here by this kind of music called, uh, Nerodnyatsi, which is like folk, kind of folk. And there's an, an additional version of that called Turbo, Turbo Folk. Which is some kind of like techno version of this <laughs> music. That's what happens when you hit the turbo boost on Kit. Is you get the turbo folk, huh? right? Right, with like with like ca- like Casio keyboards with with that like modulator. <laughs> right. So it's like banding, like like a, as if it were a you know 
Ibanez with a whammy bar. There, it's like that. It's really, really crazy. Um, <laughs> but there are great, you know, there are some great bands here. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of Oberni Program, Pressing, uh, who are current. My friend Urosh, who incidentally uh, recorded the Red Step album and his Blackheart Processions um, live sound guy. Um, oh, okay. He has kind of a surf, a surf thing called um, called uh, Threesome, and they actually have their I believe in like uh, their label is in Washington, so but they're great. They're they're like um, they're it's instrumental and and surfy and cool. And I think they did something that uh, is unique and kind of translates well outside. Serbian is a bit Serbia is a bit like insular, um, and I think you know partially due to its location and economy. I know a lot of bands don't end up here. Um, we we never did. Yeah, it's uh, until- like just far enough outside the circuit if you will that it, it, it's yeah, kind of difficult for them to for them to get the same sort of touring accent and whatnot almost in the same way that you know i guess at a much more uh, smaller scale as you know so, some of the cities that are just isolated enough that they sort of have no choice but to create their own scene because there's nothing there's nothing coming to them or if they do it's, sure, it's like yeah, i don't know for instance yeah, for instance, like southern tip of Florida, like not exactly easy to access. Right. <laughs> and exactly. With your time, they're kind of out of the loop, you know, in terms of like alternative stuff. And yeah, it's sort of similar here. And you would you would have to, you know, make a concerted effort to, to to get here. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who have gone to Zagreb, uh, which is in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. But that's you kind of fit it in to the the circuit a little easier. Right. 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 Uh, well, and I guess, uh, oh, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize, according to Wikipedia, Turbo Folk served as the dominant paradigm of Slobodan Milosevic, the, the nationalist <laughs> regime. Right, right. Wow. <laughs> the darker side of Turbo Folk. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, so what you're talking about is you have a, a musical culture that largely has been left to its own devices and has to rely upon its own creativity to uh, flourish and to grow. Right, right. And it's either regional, um, you know, local or regional, um, part of whatever ex-Yugoslavia. Um, there are some artists who are left over from that time. For example, Travko Cholic, known as Chola. He's kind of a singer. He's been around since the 60s. And no matter where he plays in this region, it's like apeshit crazy um, crowds. Uh, so so there's still some of this regional stuff left over. Um, as well, and, and and a handful of bands that are left. A band, for example, called Party Breakers. Here, they've been around long enough to have you know developed fan base throughout um, all of you know XU Balkans. And I don't know, I don't know if you've heard the, the band Goblini. No, no, I'm not familiar. Hey, there, yeah, we actually have a funny tour story about them. <laughs> um, and and I believe they're they're from here, or they were they from Slovenia? I forget. Anyway, they're from the region, uh, and and they also maintain this kind of regional. Um, popularity so when you're putting together the red step stuff did you have the idea that you were going to be making a new band was it just like let's let's get something together and just see what happens like what what was the intent behind putting it all together uh yeah interestingly a lot uh, interestingly enough like really none um i kind of moved here uh and i met i met these guys who uh, one of whom happened to be my my wife's brother-in-law and he played drums, and uh, the guy who is now my kum, which is uh, in Serbian, it's kind of hard like, to translate. Kind of like, like a godfather uh, or a sort of figure, like 
it's it's exactly yeah exactly yeah godfather and best man sort of combination thing so godfather to the kids best man at your wedding uh and mm -hmm. and uh this guy boris uh who plays keyboards and they were in a band called kazuna zaushi kind of like um like a garagey kind of um kind of post-punky thing they were they were kind of popular in the 90s and i happened to see them play and i was like these guys are great uh, musicians and uh we ended up meeting of course due to family stuff and um they're like we should go all jam you know let's go jam together right. and not being a, not being a big jammer i was like well <laughs> let's go <laughs> kind of like i'm not i'm really not so like uh we, uh, you know, kind of got together. I had a few ideas left over from, um, I had just been in San Diego for like four, four months and with the intention there of maybe starting something with, um, with, uh, some people there. So I had some ideas and we got together and just kind of started playing and, um, we just sort of kept practicing. I kept bringing, you know, ideas like chord changes and, and primary melodies and stuff. And we just kept working on it and, so pretty organically, it just kind of, there was no, you know, like, let's get together and do this thing and, and um, for any purpose. Other than just to play. Did you have an idea that you wanted to, because, and the reason why I'm specifically asking about direction stuff is because it's a little, you know, it's it's pretty lively band. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a little, a little more frantic uh, and incisive in that way, which was a kind of, you know, getting away from the... You know the, the the very lovely, but I, I'm sure some sometimes uh, boxed in black heart procession. Exactly box around you. <laughs> well, you just you just you hit the nail on the head. I you know doing black heart for as long as we've been doing it, it's it's really it's really taxing to to kind of draw upon those sort of emotions and express them. Yeah, uh, it can be draining. Um, it can be cathartic and that's great, but, um, it, to put yourself in a position where, um, you know, Oh, time for a new record. Let's like, I'm absolutely, my life is fine. Everything is great. <laughs> I'm well adjusted. Now let me like make myself fucking depressed so that I can like yeah. accurately like represent these feelings of like, you know, morosity and depression. Let's excavate so, some misery so we can write some songs here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I kind of had the intent before, like the idea ahead of time anyway, to, to, to do something that was a little more aggressive, um, you know, still dealing with like darker subject matter, um, darker, you know, musically in terms of chord changes, melody, harmony, but, but just, you know, take it up a notch, be a little more pissed and, you know, less... Whiny, whiny. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm trying to, and unfortunately, I don't have the lyrics handy, and I just haven't listened to it enough to be able to tell you which one. But there's that the song with like the poison, and uh, uh, right. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, oh, that's an interesting turn of phrase because it's sort of like if you were to turn some of that around, like add some somber piano, slow it down to tempo, it's like that wouldn't necessarily be out of place as a Blackheart song, but it's like no, it's presented in this more. Uh, this this more energetic environment and uh, i mean it rocks right like black heart procession is a lot of things but but i would say rocks is would be a, would be a bit of a pull for the most part sure sure yeah yeah most of the time from time to every time every once in a while yeah exactly bring the rock <laughs> it's, it's you know we're capable you know like, yeah everybody is capable of rocking but the choice is the ethos was <laughs> is, is not a it's not kiss you know <laughs> exactly exactly um, yeah, and interestingly, like yeah, those uh, that song is called "For the Dead." Thank you. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't have them labeled, so uh, 
yeah, so here I am. Just like, you know, the one right. with the thing that does the stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, luckily there's like one song that has poison in the lyrics. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was pretty able, easily able to suss that out. <laughs> um, that's why you're but a professional. Yeah, so that's interesting. That's interesting because like what that song is about to me um, could could have sort of been taken in either direction. It's it's like um, any I don't know lyrics for me I, I unless you're being super direct on purpose I really like lyrics to be uh, indirect and interpretable so that everyone who listens can kind of make it their own thing or like identify with it in their own specific way through whatever their experiences are but um, so whatever if if someone listens to it after what I just said like it should mean to you what it means. But for me, um, it meant it, it was dealing with people who are these like soul stealing life crushers yeah. who like just make it impossible for you to um, to get ahead or succeed or to even thrive. And 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 how those people come to be who they are. And could you yourself become that? And what would the process be there? Right. So that's the thing that I, th- I found interesting about that song, because I think it's very easy to identify. I mean, you know. <laughs> You know, there's pop stars talk about have songs about haters. You know, it, it, it's like that. That part's easy, but like the idea of like kind of turning that focus towards you know this postulating this what if and uh, looking at motivation. I thought that was that was that was interesting, and you know, I'm I'm a fan of of, of that kind of uh, lyricism and that kind of exploration, and also it happening in that kind of music. Because I feel like unfortunately, people feels like a lot of folks feel like unless it's presented with certain musical uh, trappings that mm-hmm. nothing of import is being said. And I think that's malarkey, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's important to, you know, well, people can make, you know, they can enjoy and not enjoy whatever they want. But for me, I like things that challenge me to question things. Why think, you know, why is this how it is? Why do I feel how I do? Why do other people maybe feel how they do? And and so I kept I kept the whole narrative there, or like the you know I kept the perspective from one person. So it it never really shifted from, you know, I'm talking about you, <laughs> right? You're talking, you know. So I kept it all in kind of first person, to to have this like you know, connection between the antagonist and protagonist, whatever. Instead of being like, so hey Jeff, why are you such a jerk? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know who Jeff is in this case, but you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff talking about himself. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, that's one of my favorite things ever when people like refer to themselves in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, uh, Toby is super happy right now. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the, to... <laughs> there's that, that was that, uh, oh, God, that, uh, that, that baseball player that always referred to himself in thir- third person. Ricky Henderson. When he would, uh-huh. he would just always refer to him. Ricky Henderson does blah 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 blah. It's like that's you, dude. Right. <laughs> no, super super straight. I don't know why. I mean, everyone has these these certain things that uh, you know are kind of strange and foreign to them, and that's one of them for me. Like, yeah. you're... <laughs> well, how much? So, how much are you into the idea of? Because again, it w- it would have been you're at the point in your musical career that you could have just like, you know, put this out in your own name. Did you, you feel very much the identity of it as a band and sort of sublimating that identity for the purposes of this band was important to the presentation? Well, I think that no, no matter, no matter who, who has like certain amount of creative control or authorship or pr- presentation of ideas, 
I think that everyone always matters and what they bring, even if it's in a certain part or what their experiences have been, what they bring to the table is totally important. And I wanted it to, to, to yeah, I wanted it to be a, a band. I like the, the idea of this, the collective in whatever capacity and, um, yeah. Well, another reason I ask is that I, I, it kind of feels like in this time that we're in, and not, it's not like the Red Step is like brand new, but it's pretty new. And even just agreeing on a band name is, you know, jeez. Yeah, I, I'll, I can talk about that. Well, actually, the band was like we started working on stuff like four over four years ago. And so um, something that's important, I think, is that um, the two songs that have been released um, up to now, this one, Black Summer. Um, That's the one that this, just, this just was, came out in October, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, that was the, the, the first single through Pravda Records. Um, that was written just like before Trump was elected. And so like it was a really strange coincidence. And I don't know, I'm not usually like a lyric writer. Like with Blackheart, Paul is, is the lyric writer and I'll do something like help after, you know, when we agree that everything's okay. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of experience with it. Um, but that song just like, flew out like lyrically and i was always curious like what is why is it su- why did i choose summer and like <laughs> you know it doesn't really make sense in, yeah. in this context um but yeah like i see that it was kind of this weird prediction and unfortunate um horrible thing uh yeah. that unfortunately came true in in some ways and and then for reset same thing that was written three and a half years ago after trump was elected um, and that one was not so much like political, but, um, just like observations of social behavior that were kind of disturbing and, and, um, disappointing to me, like just watching people step all over each other, getting onto the bus and, uh, just how, I don't know, we can sometimes lose ourselves, um, in, in the mass and, um, it becomes d- difficult to, to see but so yeah again all of those lyrics even though they have this like unfortunate coincidence um yeah they were written a while ago <laughs> and you weren't you weren't necessarily like writing the theme it's just that's what what came came forward at that time and it happened it, to correspond yeah exactly exactly so the uh, so and and the the band as you mentioned you've got um you've got a lot of great players you're mostly known for playing piano, but you're a pretty ripper guitar player. Which one did you start with first? Um, can we go back to the the name before I forget? Oh yeah, yeah, please, by all means, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So this is cool. Like, so um, I think that names are weird because I don't know. I think that like having a not shitty name is better than having an awesome name. Or like, it's it's more about like let's choose something that doesn't suck. First, do no harm. Than- is that what you're kind of getting? Exactly. At? Like, all, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but like I've had this experience of like, that's an awesome name. And then you think about it for a few days and you're like, oh shit, it has that connotation. Like, yeah. oops. And hopefully you think of that before you name your band that. It, it, yes, yes, officially, right? So um, we, I was talking to, to my coom, Rudy, the bassist, and he was mentioning how his son had just started to drive. He had finished, you know, passed the test, which is actually fairly brutal here. It's like really difficult. And he had passed and, and he b- took his first drive on his own. And he was trying to translate a, a Serbian saying, which is kind of like, just, you know, like go for it, jump in the fire, like, you know, like time to do it. And he translated it incorrectly as 
like taking the red a red step. Mm. And I was like, whoa. That's, red, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> what does that mean? That, it sounds mysterious and cool. Yeah. Yes. And it, it had like all kinds of weird like connections. So I, I thought like, okay, with Black Heart Procession, it's sort of a, it's a color and a movement. And first of all, I was like, wow, that's interesting. And it's, it's very simple. It wasn't taken. So that was part of the. Yeah, I guess that's probably the most key thing of all is that somebody else doesn't already have it. But, but then, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah it's good. The other things I thought about were like, um, you know, in, in, in trying to do this like analysis, like, will this have anything, you know, will it turn out bad in some way? Um, like uh, the Red St- moving to Serbia, which was, you know, under Tito, like kind of oh, communism. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. That's what right. <laughs> right. And, well, I mean, yeah, having lived here, there's still, I mean, it's changed quite a bit since, you know, in the last five years, but there are still plenty of socialist leftovers and a lot of institutions still in place. So it, it feels, you know, quite a bit different. So there's that aspect, like this red step moving from, you know, the States to here. Uh, then kind of like a dance move, <laughs> like they would, you know, at this step. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, uh, you know, like, like, all, like, remember when there were so many songs that were named after dance crazes, real or imagined? I mean, it seems like that was almost a lost art now. Exactly, exactly. So something like that. And then also it's kind of noirish a little bit, like, you know, some, some like, footprints stepping in the blood and making bloody footprints well yeah because you could almost envision like a vim vendors movie with that name or like something jim charmoosh or something right you know something right right where you've got just like you know people looking really dour and like something ominous happening and something along those lines so it's evocative image wise yeah and and at least yeah it didn't suck and it had these little connections that i thought you know personally and and you know, as as a sort of continuation, oh, not post black art, but you know, as as the next my first project, kind of post, you know, black art. Um, why do I keep saying post black art? It still exists. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> since, I know what you're saying, since right? Black right. Since uh, yes, since, since black art right is being an active concern. I mean, as much as any band could be an active concern in this day and age. <laughs> right. But uh, I I know what you're saying. But again, yeah, we got. I guess we got to be careful with the language here because it is a band that means a lot to a lot of people and people might freak huh. out <laughs> right yeah. anyway there was a there was a name thing before i managed to forget it <laughs> and and all, of course all credit to um to rudy our bassist and mike Hume. yeah yeah that, that's a hell of a well that's great too because then you actually have a good story because i one of the reasons i actually really asked the how would you come up with the band name because that to me that, sure, that that's sure. like a seventh okay. grade fanzine level question unless there's a great story behind it so that's actually a really mm-hmm. good story oh fantastic my favorite was uh, my favorite question ever was what's your favorite pizza topping? <laughs> Sometimes those can be genius though. Like there's there's a yeah. there's a show I don't even know what it's called, and I've referenced it in this show before, so you think I would be able to remember it. But it's it's literally just like little kids interviewing bands, and it's the best. Like it's even when it's like not great, it's still the best. But it's, every once in a while, I'll be like, man, that's a good question. Why could, I, I never thought of that, and that's a uh, you know, from from right, the mouths of babes, as they say, right? Right. How it's framed, what the context is, sure. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, any of these can be can be good, <laughs> or genius, perhaps. So the but the whole the whole band isn't uh, isn't isn't Belgrade specific, right? I mean, you have uh, isn't Sarah Jane from uh, London? Yeah, yeah. I met her. Uh, she moved here briefly to Belgrade, and that's how we met. Um, so she was she was here uh, through 
a large portion of, of things and for the recording and has since moved. I think she lives in, in Spain now. Because okay. I, I was going to ask with Brexit and everything and uh, just moving around between countries and whatnot, I was kind of curious about that aspect of things. Yeah, every, everyone else is, everyone else is, is here. So, so if we if we end up, I mean, of course, touring at this point is kind of a I don't know, like <laughs> nebulous thing to discuss. But um, hope, hopefully soon. But when, if and when that happens, we'll I'm sure we'll figure something out. And it's Europe, and so it's like being in the states. <laughs> I suppose. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, and the because I did the thing where I asked a question and actually didn't follow up, and you did, which I appreciate. But I also wanted to bring up the fact that you know a lot of folks know you from playing piano, from playing keyboard. Uh, but you're yeah. ripping a guitar on this. And so which one of those did you start with first? I started with uh, guitar um, back when I was, I don't know, 14-ish. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, um, I was very sort of ambivalent toward music for a long time. Well, this, I, the first things that I listened to were like on eight-track tape with headphones when I was five. Like a bunch of Pink Floyd, um, The Wall, and... Right, and right, uh, right side of the moon and some yes stuff um so i think that all of those things kind of just embedded themselves in some way um but but up until uh uh i heard master of puppets actually on vinyl nice it was like, <laughs> mind mind fucking blown yeah that's I a great like, guitar record can, yeah sure <laughs> this can happen and just the sort of like implied symphonic stuff with all the you know the the guitar minis and everything and the arrangements i was like this is possible that's crazy so um so then i decided okay of course i want to you know i want to play guitar so it, it kind of started with guitar and i got really into thrash stuff you know testament slayer corner um at the time um of course along with you know metallica megadeth all that stuff and uh started playing guitar and, and started kind of uh practicing the technique um and stuff, and ended up, you know, kind of doing, doing, um, you know, metal. <laughs> so right. guitar was guitar was the first me, thrash metal. Guitar was like my first love, musically. Well, and the reason why, I, I, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because the reason why I ask is that I found that a lot of folks that are either multi instrumentalists that gravitate towards or are most well known for keyboard, or have that background, there seems to be a deep appreciating appreciative uh, love of of a certain type of metal. And uh, really? I, That's interesting. Yeah, and I wonder if that has to do with, like, the scale, like the fact that, you know, the piano was, like, a like a different scale and, um, uh, you know, it, it hits in different... Like, I wonder if there's some... You know, I'm not smart enough in music theory to exactly articulate it, but definitely the sim- near-symphonic elements of some of the things you're talking about, which are things that I've certainly, uh, as a... somebody that is, is not a... as a barely functional keyboardist, would would definitely be able to appreciate that. I wonder if that's like a correlating factor or, or what, or has to do with how the brain is wired. That's more of a, I guess, a statement or observation mm. rather than a question. But well, I, I'll comment. Uh, let's see. For me, perhaps and and very likely, I'm sure. For me, uh, keyboard. I'll I'll continue the, the guitar story a bit so this makes a little more sense. So. Uh, after being, you know, pretty much into thrash metal and this technique and, and, you know, the, I don't know, guitar pyrotechnics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I started st- my, my school at the time, my high school, uh, was one of the few left that actually had, um, music curriculum and it was a very good one, uh, j- a jazz program. 
so uh, I wanted to start, I met some people who, you know, the school who were playing music, like my age, a little bit older, and I wanted to get involved in this, you know, jazz thing. Um, so in order to get, uh, to be involved with that, you had to uh, take theory and, um, and, and, and lessons with your instrument. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you have to get those, the, that foundation in because... Yeah, it's 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 not. <laughs> it's when you're in a situation yeah. like that. It's not like, hey, get in a room and let's see what happens. It's no. There's a articulated plan, and here's the thing that we're doing, and <laughs> here's how we're gonna get there. Exactly. So I had always considered, you know, jazz to be the sort of next part of the evolution um, in terms of complexity and sophistication, and you know, tech, both in terms of technique and theory and everything. Um, so, but what ended up happening is after that, like a couple a year. Uh, a year after I graduated um, high school, a couple years actually, uh, I realized that that every time I sat down with the guitar, my fingers would just like do the talking. Like there, you know, there was no correlation between like, you know, what I was feeling or thinking um, or an idea. It just my fingers were like trip getting in the way. Like there was this like short circuit between you know like my heart and mind and. Yeah, yeah instrument itself so I made this decision like I'm gonna put the guitar down for a while and approach something that is completely foreign and really like not trying not to, to have that happen with that instrument and um, so that there's a just a clearer connection between uh, you know like if you're hearing an idea in your head it's 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 if you're unfamiliar with an instrument, it's, it's, you know, easier to figure that out or just like the mystery and the newness of the thing. Like, Ooh, those, that, that pattern, you know, that looks like that sounds like that on piano. Um, right, something interesting so, in the searching of, of kind of, yeah. And so to this day, I'm, I'm not a comfortable, um, piano player. It, it's, uh, I, I learn the things that I write, <laughs> but you know, I, I couldn't just sit down and improvise. Like I could perhaps with guitar, but, um, I would have to, you know, bone up on that stuff, but yeah, no, absolutely not piano. It's kind of all primarily by ear and it's usually still uncomfortable. And, um, I've of course developed patterns over time, but I'd really try to like avoid, avoid doing that so that there's a, again, clear path. Yeah. And it's, it, it occurs to me too, that, I mean, I, cause I saw black car procession many a time, uh, under your own power. And then also with other like-minded bands that wouldn't necessarily be like sounding bands. And some of them had pretty unique and idiosyncratic guitar players that would be doing their own thing. And, you know, there, there's the, the keyboard, piano, whatever, however you want to phrase it, it it's, it's an expressive instrument, but like, you don't, <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to like unless you've got like a guitar or something it's very difficult to be like super active with it and 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 move around and and feel the music in that way uh so i guess i'd be curious as to your thoughts as to you know on being on guitar in this band and having that freedom of movement but then also did anybody kind of like light your imagination up when you would uh, be seeing uh, these these other acts you're touring with playing guitar and be like oh i kind of want to do that um, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely like inspired by, um, people's creativity. Um, and I don't know, let's see, like Chris Brokaw, one of my favorites, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, um, there's a lot, I, I also get bad at names and think, but, um, and I'm also not a very active listener. Like when we were touring, <laughs> a whole time, I'm, I'm more of like, a, I'm less of a consumer than a purveyor. And, and I mean, I'm more of a purveyor than a consumer. 
Um, and but when I was on tour, I was you know like just just due to the fact of being on tour, like you're exposed to a lot, and so I was kind of more aware of what was going on um, at the time. Um, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's more general, more general for me than just guitar, but like mm. an idea or a feeling of of something more up up tempo. Um, and I think it was kind of a mood shift. And again, like like I mentioned before, this thing with Blackheart, it's like it can be draining to to be so right. you know morose and depressed and whatever. So just something that's a little more like let's kick the old you know let's you know it doesn't have to be thrash, but like let's let's do something that's a little more up tempo. Yeah, and it's something where it, well, again, it's the red step, right? <laughs> you're you're making a a, a movement <laughs> in that same way towards something that's a little different. Totally. Oh, how are you with um in terms of um like you know have you had experience with different instruments and how they sort of you know evolve from one to the other? Yeah, I mean, well, that's interesting. Uh, well, I've. I started on a guitar, and it's still the thing that I kind of do the best. I think I've, 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 you know, I've got, I know just enough to be dangerous on keyboard. <laughs> and uh, like, as you said. <laughs> and I, I, le- I learned modicum amount of, of drumming, uh, mostly to kind of improve songwriting and just because it's fun to play the drums. It's a good, you know, it's a good catharsis to hit things. Uh, totally. But I mean, ultimately, I, I think, you know, I, I use the term evolved caveman uh, of my own guitar playing, uh, which is one of the reasons why I actually, I, I've taken one guitar lesson in my entire life, and it was like my COVID treat to myself. It was with Dwayne Dennison. And, oh, great. Oh, uh-huh. And like 98% of what Fair he did was like, like, you know, 10,000 feet over my head. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-huh. Which I mean, he's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. But I was like, you know what? I'm Likewise, like, also incredible, incredible player. Yeah, he's I, great. I was like, I'm just gonna do this because, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna know them via my element. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna do this and see if it does something good for me. But it, but it was cool because for me, I was I was in a songwriting rut. I felt like, hey, I can I can grind out these kinds of songs forever and ever, and people, you know, it, it connects with who it connects with, and people seem to like it. But I want that's not enough for me. I need it to go further. I need it to go different places and I need to find some way to accomplish that. So, and it worked. I mean, I picked up a few, again, like I said, you know, me sitting here dragging my knuckles, kind of looking to the side (laughs) at all the 15th level fighter mage guitar wizardry Denison was trying to show me. And, Uh uh, but I picked up enough things that like I was able to, I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. And, how do we make this about me? But anyway, uh, the, the, uh, so I guess that's where well, I learned. Like, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm sorry if that's you know, no, no. That's I'm, I'll talk about it. But like, I this is I, usually I when I get angry messages. Why? You know, you could have talked about okay. Three Mile Pilot, and you talked about your guitar lesson with Wayne Dennison. You know, like what? All right. <laughs> They're not that angry. But yeah. <laughs> but but so. that, well, that's why I was asking if anybody kind of sparked your imagination. Just because if you see someone like, if you see someone very good at their instrument or that does something really cool, sometimes you're like, oh man, I wish that would be cool if I if I could do that. Sometimes, like a perfect example would be like Warren Ellis, right? Uh-huh. I never oh, thought yeah. about the violin at all, <laughs> other than like, yep, that's an instrument, all right. And then <laughs> once I heard the Dirty Three and saw them, I was like, wow, I wish I could do that. That's awesome. 
and the, which is so funny because he's such a just he's a player that plays the way he plays. Like I know people that are yeah. classically trained, like everything he does is wrong, but it's great. Absolutely, no, I, I love that, and that's the thing. Like you know, okay, technique theory, uh, these are all great things, but sometimes they you know trip you up, and I agree with totally with what you're saying. Sometimes it's nice to see something else, and you know, allow allow yourself to you know get yourself outside the bubble that you're in, for sure, for sure. And and of course, as you mentioned, there's no. There's no touring right now, but I mean, the freedom of movement of not being stuck behind a keyboard too is, is that's going to make you think about music sometimes in a different way. Right. And, and actually I've been teaching, um, guitar, uh, through, through, through the COVID times, um, online and, um, doing that has been really fun. And though, uh, I look at it a little bit differently. So I'll have students who are like, uh, I want to learn A, B, C or D song. And so it's really fun to, to go, you know, to grab the guitar and use it like in that context where mm-hmm. it's like not necessarily what I would be doing like for myself, but it's just, I'm having fun with it now. Like I've been watching like, you know, different, I, I was always a little bit like confused about how like country solos work versus oh, blues. Oh, sure. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like, like, like for instance, Ellie Easton from the Cars is a total like country solo style player, even though like the Cars are not a... Uh... Uh, country band in any way shape or form I always found that fascinating go ahead yeah please yeah yeah absolutely so then that was really fun I I, I discovered something where it's like ooh, that sound comes from this combination of the major and minor pentatonic of the same in the same same note right so you play a major pentatonic a minor pentatonic you kind of combine them together and that makes that sound and I was like oh man you can even use the passing tones so like the flat five of, of you know the, the blues scale right um in a certain place you can even use that as a passing tone in the use them all you just sort of turn them into one big scale and use your ear and it's great so that was really fun so absolutely in terms of like discovery and new things i have been having a lot of fun with uh guitar lately and and, you know in those terms i actually just bought a really cool good actually my wife bought it for me i tried to dissuade her but she refused and thank her for that (laughs) it's a it's a weird it's Mm -hmm. a it's a vox sdc 33 so single double cutaway or double cutaway oh cool solid body, solid body double cutaway it's weird they, they made them like they i think they made them for a couple years 10-ish years ago um and it's strange it looks like some combination of an sg so it's got the two two uh horns um but it's pretty thin um and it's got these like kind of p90s but uh, but they're you can split the coils um it's really a weird, kind of a weird guitar, and I'm I'm loving it. What, so you said it was a Vox. What was it? Is a Vox? Uh, Vox SDC uh, S sing, uh, solid double cut uh, cutaway. So SDC thirty three. Thirty three. Okay, that's. I, I think I know the ones. I know the ones you're talking about. Um, they're kind of. It's it's like a, like a sharp sort of horn. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like and they, uh, they make double like horns a... almost, but like not quite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, which is what I love about it. It's like, you know, it's pushing the line of like you could be like it's almost metal, but it's just not. <laughs> right. It's just it's just I on the one that. side of it. Yeah. Yes, I love pushing those boundaries. It's like not no, not quite. Like <laughs> you haven't like you know officially arrived in metal land, but um, it's and of course then the headstock is very classic looking so that sort of detracts from it. But um, yeah. And so that was a really fun, a fun thing to, to kind of like, I kind of get, became a guitar nerd again. And that was really fun. 
Are you are you um, are you becoming an expert on like coil tapping and pickups and and all that stuff along those lines? Um, well, not so much. Um, and actually, I haven't plugged this thing into a serious like you know I I use with Red Step an AC thirty. Um, oh, so I haven't, but yeah. I haven't been able to like actually plug this thing into it and, and experiment with tone. Um, but more, um, again, with this guitar nerding out stuff. Um, but anyways, it's coming and I'm looking forward to it. Do you use any but pedals the, um, or anything or are you just mostly going straight into the amp? Not a single pedal. <laughs> I'm one of those complete purists. I'm like guitar, amp, that's it. <laughs> ah, the Ian McKay, Malcolm Young. There's a, there's a rich that? tradition. Oh, yeah, straight into the amp. Straight into the amp. Okay. There's a rich tradition of it. Don't get me wrong. And it's a deep rabbit hole with effects pedals that. I. That's the thing. That's exactly. <laughs> like, nailed it. That's it. It's like I. I would rather. Okay. Like. Uh, okay. What I've. What I've got is what I want to use. Kind of idea in yeah. the first place. Um, and. You know, whatever instrument you can make something out of it and and do your thing. It's fun. It's again fun, to experiment with that stuff and the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> it can get crazy. Uh, so for me, it's like, okay, I would rather my sound not be dependent on 15 pedals that if one goes out, I'm screwed. So at least it's like I can switch amps or I can use a different guitar or, you know, it'll and then it'll generally be the same thing. It won't like, you know, I won't lose. Yeah, I mean, without turning this into like, you know, a guitar roll discussion or anything, a cranked, a cranked <laughs> AC30 is about as good as it gets for rock music, if you ask me. I mean, that's just like, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> It's genius, and and like uh, on the record, I, we actually had to try to figure out um, how to get a, a tone that is was similar to that um, in the studio, um, and we ended up using we used like a Mesa Boogie, like Studio Twenty Two, and I can't remember the cabinet, but then also another another like a Fender, um, some kind of Fender twin on one side and so they're kind of like panned out a little bit from each other and it made it gave that sort of same like tonal quality of the AC30 but you know it, it just sounded that you know in in that recording uh sophistication way <laughs> right 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 yeah I, I was wondering uh would you mind uh talking a little bit about some stuff with blonde redhead because I remember right um was it was a melody that you uh that you did that you did some, you did some stuff on melody of certain damaged lemons, right? Yes. That and that's like for me is that's that's like the one of the <laughs> of the epochs of blonde redhead. That's one of the sort of uh, you know their that's their uh, kid A or whatever. I don't know what you want to <laughs> how you would characterize it. exactly. Yeah, I don't know what you call that without it being cheesy. Yes, no, yeah. I know, but I know. And yes, yeah, so I did that used came to about... work at a record store, so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I well, I, I, if you want to call Tower Records a record store, I don't think we had. Well, that's the same records. I worked at Tower Records too. Are you kidding me? That's all. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I worked at oh, Tower shit. Records in Berkeley, which is like the uh, uh, of all the records. So it, it was like the fifth coolest record store out of five. <laughs> in, in oh, Berkeley. Well, all right. Well, at least it made the list. Yeah. Yeah. So. Exactly. It was an honor to be nominated. Yeah, actually, some yeah. I mean, if we if I remember, I have some interesting tower stories that helped kind of develop my or the things that inspired me. It's how oh, I got into classical music. Yeah, same. It's how I discovered like, oh, there's great jazz. Oh, there's great like classic country. There's basically something awesome in all of these genres. Totally, and yeah, I, I discovered like Eastern European, like Soviet, like Russian 
uh, classical stuff that was stuff that I was like, I hadn't heard it before, but in my head I was like, there must be this thing that's this stuff. And I just hadn't heard it. And so I was able to like, I was a supervisor. So I would just sit in the back and like (laughs) during the, (laughs) I was a night supervisor there. So I would sit in the back and like unwrap all these CDs and then re-shrink wrap them and just listen to stuff. And, and, um, yeah, so I discovered like my favorite composer, Alfred Schnicki, um, through that and, uh, Martin Czech composer. Um, anyway, um, yeah, it doesn't so pay it was, that well, but you get a lot of payout in terms of musical experience and finding cool new stuff when you work at a record store. Yeah, it was invaluable. Like, I'm, I'm really happy that I had that chance to, to explore the freedom of exploration, especially back then when there was, you know, no YouTube and, you know, download. Mario, <laughs> Mario Rubicaba and I like went on for like, uh, it feels like hours when, about this uh, when, he, when he was on, which is very funny because I'm sure, I hope, I hope it was enjoyable for other folks because it sure as hell was enjoyable for us. <laughs> That's great. Oh, love Mario, of course. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, the blonde redhead. Yeah, thing. blonde redhead. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not just hanging out. We're trying to get some uh, valuable information here. Oh, hopefully it's like some kind of combo. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so the, the um, blonde redhead, we, so we, uh, Blackheart had been, well, we, I think we had been on Touch and Go for the, the yeah, the previous record. Um, we started that working with the, th- the third one, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. So two, two was our first record with Touch and Go, and then the third, uh, the third album was when we did the tour with with Blonde Redhead. So we we did a tour, I think, um, yeah, on that record with them, and we ended up in Seattle at Bear Creek Studios where we had recorded our first three records, and where they ended up recording, I think their next, like they recorded this melody and. I think the next two, maybe. Um, let's see. So, so yeah. At any rate, like we introduced them, they they met everybody. They liked that they loved the studio, and then they they asked me if I would come play piano on a handful of songs on the record. And um, are you there? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm, still, I'm I'm just listening. Yeah. <laughs> I've done enough that talking. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, I was just making sure there was not some connection. No, no, anyway, no. I, okay, I do the so, same thing. I'm like, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, who knows with those crazy broadband issues these days. So, um, yeah, they asked me to play on a handful of songs. They sent me a cassette tape with, um, with uh, like, some, some guitar chords and, um, like, kind of a vocal melody type of deal. And so I wrote piano parts for, like, those five-ish songs. And, ooh, funny story. Um, the day before... I went to uh, fly up to Bear Creek, which is in, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, it's, it's in Bothell near Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was uh, t- teaching my girlfriend at the time how to ollie on a skateboard. <laughs> so awesome. for, for anyone who knows the mechanics of an ollie, it's like, you you know, you your front foot uh, bends and slides up. And, you know, once you click the, the, the tail and it's supposed to stabilize in the air. So... Uh, it's, I was showing her in slow motion, and um, <laughs> I it, horrible idea. And I came down <laughs> with my, my ankle in in that position, and it just went pop. And it and this is my sustain pedal foot. So there is one pedal that I'm dependent on, and that is the piano sustain pedal. That's the one the one thing you need your feet for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So scratch what I said earlier. There is one pedal that I'm massively. Maybe that's the thing. I, I'm already dependent on one, like completely. Yeah. So you don't want anything to do with it on the other. I'm playing guitar. <laughs> I have. I bring two sustain pedals on tour. 
um, in case one happens to break. That's smart. Um, because yeah, my, it's kind of my whatever my piano playing style like d- depends on this hiccuping um, of of the sustain pedal. Any rate, so my my entire foot was was blue and purple except for one little patch of my big toe. The whole thing was <laughs> horrible. It was awful. So and, and it was again my sustain pedal foot. So I flew. Uh, I remember on the plane I like didn't have a shoe on that on that foot, and. Um, so yeah, I went up there. Uh, went up there, recorded. Um, so if, if it sounds painful, not just you know emotionally, um, <laughs> it was physically. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but there was there was so there was a literal pain in in, in that in that recording. So. It wasn't wasn't just yes. emotional pain. <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah. So that's how that happened. Did you have an Did you have an idea at the time that, uh, you know, that it was going to connect with folks? Uh, the way it did like was it immediately apparent that this was like a something that was epochal if you will uh-huh uh you you mean the the this um what the actual song itself or the yeah, album? yeah when the re- when the record was coming together like when you're hearing the tracks in their non-demo form and you're and you're playing to them uh-huh. up, did it make sense well i was surprised i was surprised at the direction they they went yeah like in a good way because right, um, it, I mean, it wasn't that, noisy, that really, at all. Different. But it was, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's structured differently, yeah. uh, focused on different elements, more melodic, um, harmonic, just different um, than before. So, but it was cool. I mean, again, part of their evolution. And the next record was, a well, I think the next one was kind of, it, it made a little movement, but I think the one after that, like, I forget the name, it, but it sounds kind of like slow divey and, and stuff. They kind of made it. Yeah, uh, sure. I forget the name too, but that that's fine. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we, all, we all know they. Everyone's got the internet; they can they can figure it out. Or they'll just email me about it, and and like it'll be like five months from now, I'll be like what? And I'm like, <laughs> right, <laughs> which is more yes. likely. One hundreds of podcasts in that one moment, right? <laughs> yeah, because everyone listens to it in their own time usually, and then it's, it's like I get the and uh, like oftentimes I'll just get like a random comment back. Like, I'm sorry, I don't remember what is this about. <laughs> and then they'll remind me, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, but. Uh, yeah, but even even more strange about uh, a couple of those songs I ended up on, um, like the, this one of them, which is for around. the damage. Yeah, like it's cr- crazy. So someone actually told me because weirdly with that record, like I get, I, I have like a couple aliases, and I I didn't really get stuck on Tobias Nathaniel like um, as, as my like sort of official you know, music pseudonym for a while. And I gave them my real name. And, uh, so I was credited with my real name. Right. With, um, with, with Toby. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, uh, I, it was weird in terms of credit. So it's like credited differently. Um, but anyway, so I don't know much about, I hadn't heard from them and we haven't spoken in a while. Um, but, uh, someone told me like that blonde redhead song that you're on, like, is like crazy viral. It's part of that Rick and Morty thing. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's the evil Morty theme. It and it's and, it's such an iconic. Uh, it's used well in the show, also. But it's it's something right. where, you know, I didn't watch that show at all until I think like last year because I was just I assumed it was something I wouldn't like, which I was, I was wrong. It's it's the fan base I don't like. Uh, but exactly <laughs> when I, when I heard it, it like made me jump up from my seat. I was like, hold on a second. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
so did I. I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I know what that is. But no, the, the funniest thing is that um, when, I, when I searched it, people are like, Evil Morty theme, this and that. So I, I actually searched Evil Morty theme. And what came up first was a shit ton of like piano tutorials. <laughs> like, millions of views right <laughs> wow piano tutorials not to mention the other there's like hundreds of millions of views of that thing and it's different manifestations but um i, I found that quite amusing i was like it's <laughs> cute like watching them you know did they nail it? To did, play. Were, were they were they getting uh, it right or no i left one comment on the <laughs> one guy who did a good job <laughs> i said awesome. i said like hey i like I wrote this piano part and recorded it on, you know, Blonde Redhead's record. Like, you got the groove. <laughs> He's like, yay. So. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's got to be, I wouldn't would venture to say I know anything about the mindset of somebody who makes piano tutorials on YouTube, but that's got to be a, the nadir to a certain degree of, uh, of sure. success. <laughs> no, he was happy. He's like, wow, I'm honored. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, well, and because that's that show is is you know very very popular. I mean, it, I, I just it's massive. Yeah, I happen to I'm not a big Spotify guy, but I happen to like look at Blonde Red on Spotify for some reason. I think because I just I maintain my own library, but I didn't have whatever it was I was looking for, and I wanted to listen to it. I don't feel I don't know why I need to front load what I'm about to say with that. Like it's very important for me. I think it's the record store guy in me, right? Well, you know, I I have them all. I mean. Like I, all of this information that nobody nobody cares about that anymore. but but i noticed that uh it's the coat because it's the coda on that one the, the, uh, the damaged coda and it was like oh why is that why is that you know so many more streams than than all the rest of them and i was like oh right it was in the it was in that cartoon and then like that's when it was sort of like oh yeah, that cartoon's like one of the biggest things in the world and like everybody knows what that is and like all these people that have never heard blonde redhead you know, don't know from that record, like they, they know that piece of music, which is just wild. It's, it's, it's like a part of like mass culture. It, it literally like here, um, I teach and have, you know, English as well as music. And, um, I have students who, Oh, you did music before, you know, are you doing music now? Da, da, da. <laughs> and they're like, can you play Can you play something? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, so I, I play that. And they're like, ah, it's <laughs> that. Know. That's awesome. <laughs> like so, so, yeah. So Serbian kids know, teenagers know that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's literally massive. That's wild, and it's funny that it would be something that's, you know, it's it's not even from, you know, any. I, I, I love I love that record. I love that song. But you could like slip in any Black Heart procession song, song in there too, and that also would have been just as it would have hit like those those moods. So it's funny that it's something that you were a guest on. It wasn't it wasn't a thing that was like one of yours. Right, right. But very strange. But so is life. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's nice if anybody listens to anything at all. You know, one thing I did want to mention. I, I know I don't want to go uh, too deep on the Black Heart procession dive because I feel like there's other places you've done that plenty. But I saw Black Heart in many manifestations, uh, and mm-hmm. that includes like you know a b- bigger bands as well as like really stripped down. And the thing that occurred to me while watching. All, all of those manifestations is that the songs worked even in when it was, um, you know, I think I saw one was just like uh, you and Paul, like that was just uh, just you two, and it's right. it, it yeah. still works. That's the most stripped down. Yeah, That's I mean, it's hard to get more stripped down than that, I guess, unless you got yeah. like 
<laughs> like, I don't know, a Zoom meeting maybe would be more stripped down. But other than that, <laughs> sure. Uh, but then I also saw it with like a bigger band too. Like we had like the more uh, you could bring out the more baroque elements um, and and do it that way. When so I guess where I'm going with that is how do you how did you approach serving the song in that way uh, when you have more people, which more people more problems sometimes not always the case <laughs> with arrangement, and then also trying to make do with less when it's just like stripped down to its barest essentials. Yeah. So the, the, the first three records, it's really easy because, uh, well, the, the way that Blackheart started is that Paul and I were, um, it was like the tail end of three mile pilots, like relationship with Geffen records. And so, I mean, after having gone through that experience, I won't go into it much, but you can imagine yeah. everyone was like, it's, and we're like, it's one of those things crushed. where it's crazy to even think about that that happened at all, but it's it's most yes. of those stories are the same. So I don't think we need to go into Pretty much. details. Yeah, just my perception and of things crushed and you know and freedoms stepped on whatever of creativity. So we were like, let's really do something, you know, creative where we're like you know um, just really able to do what we want without any expectation or you know authority from a, a label. Um, and so we ended up making these things together. And so for uh, the first record, it was basically he and I in his, you know, a bedroom in his house, like me on piano and sometimes guitar and sometimes broken xylophone. And we just like made these things that worked fundamentally with the two of us doing them that way. Um, and so for the first three records, the things kind of worked that way. And we would have, uh, you know, guests like Mario, uh, Robocaba played on the, the first three records, Jason Crane, who played with, um, you know, Rocket from the Crypt and also with me and some other bands. But um, we would have the, uh, you know, friends come up and play, but we were also limited by, like, the cost of playing tickets to fly people out to to Bear Creek. So, like, um, I, I guess the answer is, like, it, it's sort of a practical answer. Like, mm -hmm. you can add. It's easy to add to those things when, when they're sort of crafted that way. Um, and we, you know, had extra parts on the, on the album, you know, organ part here or there, different stuff. Um, so it's, it's easy to remove things from the core, but, or it's, it's easy to add things to this core thing and then they can be removed later, like for the show. So I think that's maybe why it worked. However, the third, the three records after, uh, we actually like started the studio or rather Paul did, um, in San Diego and, um, we used our advanced in instead of recording at Bear Creek to you know buy some gear and and start kind of taking the reins there. And <clears throat> when we did that, we had access uh, to a lot more resources in terms of like friends and people uh, to actually come in and play. And then it got then it got trickier. Like there are songs, um, most of the songs from the first three records could theoretically be played just like Paul and I. Yeah. Um, but then, but then it gets more difficult and and you'd have to cherry pick the ones that are this more classic Blackheart thing. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do some stuff on the spell or something because there's just too much going on. Totally, it requires the band. Yeah, like it requires everything there. Or everything there is part of the, the, the core, you know. It, yeah, it's yeah, necessary. yeah. Well, and it's, it, it occurs to me too that I think one of the reasons why some folks really resonate with those first three records is because it's like the space in between everything is almost an instrument in and of itself. Absolutely. That was, yes, uh-huh. I don't know if it was a deliberate choice, but I, I've come to think of it the same way. Like especially early Blackheart stuff, it's um, you know almost more about what's in between than what's there. It's like a negative. 
do you do you find that folks connections to that band and especially that era to to be is is that a, a welcoming experience has it ever gotten weird or uncool or anything along those lines it's it's been i don't know it's been it's been great i mean i'm like grateful to you know been a part of something that has affected people in a positive it's usually a positive way um <laughs> at least what i hear of <laughs> i was feeling depressed and and this you know really brought me out of it like i identified with it it felt real to me and i understood that other people can you know feel this way and can express it um so yeah i mean absolutely for me very positive but just like everything you know in terms of fans and um you know whatever press expecting you to sort of like have this impossible combination of maintaining your sound and then evolving at the same time. Right, right. And, and, and so any step at all is going to be misinterpreted or, oh, that wasn't what I wanted you to do. Well, too bad. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So it really, it makes it difficult as, you know, as a, as a band and, and when you're writing things and, and when you're, I mean, for me, what's so, absolutely what's important to me in music, like everything is great, but like the two things that matter to me are genuineness and taste. So like if if you're not genuine, I think that people can feel it. I mean, there's even some mainstream bands who like I'm like, well, that sucks, but it's like genuine. They mean it. <laughs> it sucks in a very genuine fashion. <laughs> but they mean yeah, like you can. I don't know. I think I think people can tell. They can sniff it out. Oh. Like that's and and then for me, taste is important. And like you know, if you want to, I'm not big in you know like the genre definition or whatever. But there's a certainly like you probably shouldn't combine A, B, and C. It would be tasteless. So yeah, it's just difficult. It's difficult to, to try and balance all those things and make everyone happy. And and in the end, the, the the point is, I guess, like I'm really happy that people like, you know, that Blackheart stuff and whatever we've done. I'm super appreciative. But in order to do it, it's like I've got to be. We've got to be genuine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> how do you maintain that without you know, changing something or becoming contrived and you know try, forcing yourself to do something new if it's there's nothing like going in a new direction. It's just not. <laughs> yeah, it requires a little bit more of a uh, a psychic cost because of you wouldn't want to harm the um, integrity of the of the thing. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a strange a strange dynamic there. But it's interesting. I mean, I felt like when you know Amor del Tropico came out, like I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't expect this, but I like it. Like it was it was it, it didn't seem like it was like off base it didn't seem like there was like uh, a major stylistic shift in the ways that matter it just was like oh they're trying oh this is cool and uh, honestly like I, I these days i probably if i throw on black art i'm probably gonna throw on that or the spell uh rather than the first three because the first three are like i need to be in a certain mood or this is not gonna hit right <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um yeah and, and again largely with with uh amore it's it's because we were able to to record in san diego and and have you know, more people involved in the project and, and playing in different, you know, like upright bass on this or cello yeah. on that. Where we didn't have that option before. So I think that the genuinity was still there and we were just, you know, happy to, to have more people involved and make the, make the songs a little bit more dense. And um, in, in some cases, there are some that are equally, you know, minimal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it, it seems, it, it wasn't as, I guess what I'm saying is it wasn't as big of a... <clears throat> deviation necessarily as some people some people's howling about it maybe would have uh, led you to believe where it was like okay you just want to be the ramones like just, they've made like three records of like this like really awesome <laughs> model and inward looking bar stuff like 
this is I thought it was great person, but I also play music, so of course, of yeah. course, I think that. Uh, Extra cool. But yeah, and also you mentioned the spell. The spell is something to me. That's underrated. one of that's, so my, it's it's like if I you know people ask me to suggest a black card to them, I'll tell them either two or the spell. I I think that's on point. I think those are those those actually might be the two best records for that band that I that, that from my personal taste. I mean, I think they're great. Yeah, they yeah, the spell, I don't know. It didn't it didn't hit, hit this kind of um I don't know, critical acclaim or whatever as the the previous ones did, but for me it's really special. Like it, it it's it's one of the most like it it I'm most nostalgic about that. Like the time of my life in in my life when that was happening when we were recording and writing that. That one really like evokes, you know, brings these memories back. That was a uh, Joe Plummer played drums on that one, if I remember correctly. That's right. Yep, Joe and let's see. Um, Jimmy was on that. We had Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah, did some bass and keyboards. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny how that works, and it's also funny how things like hit differently. Because I feel like, I mean, Black Rubber Session is is used as a reference point. Now, heck, I've used it as a reference point. <laughs> for things like to the point of just being like people know what that means you know and it's and it's uh, it's like this is gonna sound weird but i said greg Pichotto from dillinger escape plan on and dillinger escape plan kind of like i could say someone oh yeah they're trying to do a dillinger escape plan kind of thing and people know exactly what i'm talking about now exactly yeah and i feel like the same thing like i would see bands whether it's terrible. I'd see bands with like you know baroque instrumentation and maybe like you know rocking like the nineteen twenties popper thing, and it's like oh, I bet we're gonna hear some some black art rip off. <laughs> right. Well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, okay, it happened, and okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 that's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like whatever. There's bands that like rip off Aerosmith or, or, or the Ramones or whatever. Like it's it's, but it's something where you know when you were coming at it from just you know, the, the three mile pilot experience and just writing the, wrote those songs together, the different Curdy would have that cultural cachet down the line. And like, you know, whatever, 22, 22 years later, 23 years later. Right. Um, it, no, it was strange. And like, a something related to that is, um, I mean, the whole thing was a whirlwind. We did, we wrote that first album, recorded it and had it mastered in like a month and two months, two months maximum. And um, it was like super, super fast. And I just remember finally there was a moment to breathe. And it was when, uh, well, Paul and I had driven up to Bear Creek actually for, for that one. Yeah, yeah. So um, long, long drive from San Diego. But on our long drive back, um, we were listening to the mastered uh, first album and we were like, huh, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I don't know the way that you do like when you it. hear like a record done and you're, and you're like, oh, right on. That's it was like we i think like i wonder you know wonder if anyone will like it and i was like i don't know but i think we did something pretty cool like pretty unique and so i remember that kind of moment and i, I guess that sort of fuels my impression of, of things in that way well and it's it's fascinating that like it seems like that you know whatever however you'd want to characterize what those records are it seems to have a deep connection with this new generation of music listeners that they're that's that's kind of where they're at as a resting state almost not to like be like oh well, this generation's depressed but like, <laughs> but, right. like, but like there's, a, there's there's almost like a deeper affinity now that that um and i mean that, that's kind of going back to the spell that it almost seems like i don't even remember what the hell was popular around that time but it seemed like everything was kind of moving in, in mass culture was moving towards something else and mm-hmm. not that like black art was ever necessarily in vogue 
so to speak. But I think one of the, the nice things about all these these tools and immediate availability of everything is, although the, the meritocracy argument's a logical fallacy, I think there is some truth to it that, you know, stuff that's awesome and, you know, out of time and, you know, I, accidentally iconic, however you want to say it, like it's going to be able to connect with folks in a different way, even without all that context attached to it. Right. I mean, well, whatever happened, and again, none of this was on, you know, there was no like whiteboard with, with like, let's do this and become some iconic and this or that. Let's, so let's I, do I, this. I almost said a Serbian word. I almost said a Serbian word. So, <laughs> yeah, let's do this like the, so some teenager in 2020 can connect with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that was. Yeah, I mean, like, again, as like I, yeah, like I mentioned before, it's like, is it genuine? Yeah. And I, I think that's where people connect to it. And is it is it tasteful and genuine? And like really like everything else can be built around that. And um, yeah, and and for those people, you know, when it's like the, this depressing stuff, people are always surprised when they meet like Paul and I, and they're like, you guys are just so like well-adjusted, like normal people. <laughs> like you don't show up with like vampire capes and like. <laughs> yeah, like thought we would just be like, completely depressed and yeah, like whatever. And, and, and the thing is, is it's the answer to that is like you, when you uh, connect with and interact with all of these dark emotions and things that are there and you bring them out and you wrangle with them and you express them, it's cathartic. And so you're not, they're not bottled up anymore. So you, when you have this, you know, when your sponge fills and you can squeeze it out, you're free a little bit. And um, I think it's important for, you know, for people to, to be able to have anything like that to do, especially people who struggle with depression, like to have something they can do to, 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 to get that out or express it or interact with it in some way. I mean, you know, I'm no, you know, psychologist, but I believe like that's, it, it, it can be for many people like a, a good, um, a positive. Well, everything's, approach. everything's a little smaller when it's out. Uh, and that's, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think you hit it on the head with the, the fact that, you know, the authenticity matters. Like it, it still is, that's always going to connect with folks no matter like, you know, 2020, 2040, 1910, like whatever, people are, people are going to notice it and it makes a difference. Right. I agree. <laughs> okay. So, well, I want to head back to the red step, uh, but yeah. I also would be remiss as a huge Love and Rockets fan to not mention the David J thing. <laughs> yeah. Could you, could you please speak to that? Cause I mean, I think there would be assumption that uh, based on Blackheart that you guys would be huge Bauhaus fans. Uh, and were, were you a fan before you did the, if you got the Cabaret Obscuro thing? Like what? How did that come to pass? How was that experience? Yeah. Okay. They. They. Uh, of course, I knew about Bauhaus. I was always. I mean, I. I like looking back at looking at what they do now. I appreciate them in a different way. But back when, I don't know. You know, twenty five years ago, whatever. It was like. I was like, but they, the imagery doesn't match the music. And I have this problem <laughs> right. yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have this problem with, with like God, like the cure. If like, well, no, 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 it's like the, the first few cure records are killer. But like when they have this happier stuff, I was always like, why, how do they, it just doesn't connect. Why? Um, and so anyway, looking back now, I, I, I get what Bauhaus did. And, but I always, you know, appreciated them where they were. And, um, so how this worked is, I guess, like for some reason, David J had moved to San Diego and mm. he started going to shows and meeting people and, um, we ended up meeting and he asked, um, us if we would do, you know, Paul and I, if we would do something with him and below we said, yeah. And so it ended up, uh, we recorded this thing, um, 
at Paul Paul's studio, in his home studio. And yeah, I played, played piano on it and got to play live with him. And we actually, I got to play a Bauhaus song live with, with him. So I have played a Bauhaus song with live with a member of Bauhaus. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> That's what it's like. I can be done. That that that's moments. a good record store flex right there. That's, that's pretty 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 good. I think you. Uh... Oh, we're, oh, I love that record store flex. Nice. I think you can get like a like an award with a bat on it just because of that. <laughs> or a pumpkin. Yeah, something 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 batty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, the funny, this. this is the funniest thing. Is that yeah, we were. You know, recording this in Claremont, which is like kind of a you know little small suburb in in San Diego, pretty you know not not very urban. And um, we went to go oh, get know, lunch, yeah, and so Claremont. like yeah, Jesus, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so it was like uh, I drove, and David J came with me in the front seat, and we went to Burger King. And as we were <laughs> as as we were like in line in the drive-through, yeah. I'm like I'm in a drive-through at Burger King with David J in Claremont. It was it was pretty absurd. Where's that reality show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I remember chuckling to myself. <laughs> so so did, was he? Did he know who you guys were? Like how did how did that uh, come to pass? I think I honestly I'm not sure if he knew before, but I think just you know having moved to San Diego and getting involved with the scene. Yeah. There going to show, I think you know he became aware. That's wild. Wow. That that's a yeah. that, that's like a Don Caballero song title or something. Oh boy, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Some fun stories about them. <laughs> yeah, and, any of any of you can share or you want to keep a professional reputation intact. <laughs> Let's leave it be for now. Okay, fine. That sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> what do you want folks to know with the red stuff? I mean, it it would be nice if people could just listen to things on the face of it and mm-hmm. not come in with expectations of it being a certain thing do you feel like because there's some video presentation for some of it which it seems like that's people like videos videos have made a big comeback during covid times especially do you have a specific kind of thing that you want people to latch onto with it or are you just trying to let the music speak for itself uh what do you want people to know if anything about the red step other than the fact that it exists and you can buy a copy or listen to it <laughs> put me on the spot i don't know like um well yeah what to say without sounding totally cliche and cheesy um it, it's something that happened and it was a direction and i you know and just a, some strange events landing me in in serbia and meeting some people and starting some playing some music together and this thing just happened and and oh th- yeah uh, we want the people to know um I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about the artwork, which my wife does. Ariana. Yeah. I mean, the artwork's cool. Like it, it's, it's interesting and you know, it's something where it's not like it's a break necessarily from uh, what you've done before, but it definitely has its own, its own feel. And I think that's, that's important for a record to have its own feel and its own look. Yeah. I mean, okay. In, in connecting with the art too, it's sort of apocalyptic. And the idea was, you know, as, as an observer of things and, um, you know, particularly social behavior, um, it was just generally a disappointment. And I saw things kind of going in a very bad direction. And it like, in at least lyrically, it was kind of a um, representation of, of those 
a collection of those kind of observations, like we talked about this for the dead thing, um, a little bit about the reset, like why are people treating each other so shitty, yeah. stepping all over each other, like should we change? And I don't know even if there, I didn't set out with like an idea of like a hope, like a happy ending or hope. I think that some of the songs have some hope to them, um, but it's just a snap. I mean, really, it's just a snapshot of, you know, me in some ways, and then everyone in, in you know, in their way, um, just kind of like how things are and how they're perceived by certain people. <laughs> and hope, and oh yes, hopefully back to the genuinity thing, like authenticity. Like I hope that, like I hope that that's there, and I hope that people can at least appreciate that there was there was nothing there was no moment of this that came from like anything contrived or trying to be anything. I guess that's why it's hard. So hard for me to answer. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's a hard question. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and it's sort of like the idea hopefully is that it speaks for itself. Right. And then people can figure it out on their own. That, that's always the hope. Right. Right. That would be great. <laughs> Did you, and I hope, it connects, I hope it connects with people. And, 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 and I hope like, like I said before with Blackheart, hearing stories of people, you know, that music helping them through some tough time or helping them understand something about themselves or about their situations. Like as long as, you know, I would be like overjoyed if, if you know, it, it helped anyone at all. If someone connects with it, and it puts them on, some, you know, a, a good path or helps them understand. Well, sometimes it's just nice to have stuff articulated too. Like we were talking about sometimes, you know, everything's a little smaller when it's out. Right. So, I mean, when we were talking about Black Summer and it just kind of, Hitting the nail in the head in a very unfortunate manner. Like, I mean, that's right. Sometimes words fail, so you have to have other ways to um, connect and have that expressed. And I think that's something that where <laughs> whether it was by whether it was by unfortunate uh, prediction, <laughs> design, yeah. or complete accident, you know, just on that alone, it's something where it's like, oh man. Yeah, and it's easier to deal with now, for sure. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, and and like, I was a little bit weirded out about releasing these things um, because of this connection that they had. Like this, for me especially, I was like, "How the hell is this like so accurate?" Yeah. Like, um, and did it happen? And I was even worried about like putting it out um, because I thought it might be perceived in the wrong way. Like I. but I want it to be like the most important thing. Like these songs were not written now about now as a reaction to now they were predictions and um, they were just feelings. They were observations turned into output and that's what they became based on my, <laughs> uh, you know, lyrically speaking, based on my kind of perception of things. Well, and that's because that's something I didn't even think about that. Cause that's something where people experience everything in real time, right? Like we were talking earlier about how there's, you know, kids, Kids these days, they're they're like would connect with like Blackheart one and two as if it like, was wrote today. So by right, that same right. token, people, you know, if they're they're hearing Black Summer, they're like, oh, they do they did a thing about the uh, last four years. Okay, cool, we get it. And, and it was like, oh no, that actually prefaced <laughs> any of that. Right. <laughs> right. But then again, context it, it's you could be the, the guy there with the glasses going, um, actually, you know, whatever, and giving the the, the real time fact check and fine okay that's that's sure <laughs> but it, but if the art doesn't work the art doesn't work and I, and I think it does and i think it's you know there's power to it and it's it's interesting man it's it's um it's cool did you talk to me about vocals real quick we, we didn't get into that at all and I, I, i'm very curious about that because you're 
the vocals are strong. Uh, it fits the music. You know, there there's a certain kind of nakedness that happens when you're throwing yourself out there as a vocalist. Like, how how was that approach? Was that natural for you? Yeah, this was probably the biggest challenge for me. Um, like, with, actually, without a doubt, the biggest challenge. So. I had never perceived myself as, uh, you know, uh, a, a singer, especially a front person like that. I was kind of like in, you know, behind the scenes, you know, working the certain other elements. Um, but having moved here to, to to Belgrade, I kind of wanted to do this thing, and I did want the, I did want a singer, and I did want the the lyrics to be in English so that it would be, you know, at least more, more internationally um, approachable. Um, so I started asking around, and um, it was hard to find. Uh, anyone and um i mean people speak english here but for that specific thing where you're in front and it's in english uh and <clears throat> so this guy uh this guy nikola vronkovic he's from a band here called blockout that was fairly um i may have mentioned them earlier um yeah. famous in the 90s so he um he's a friend of, of of our bass player he came to one of the practices he also does production stuff here um and so i was talking with him and i'm like man yeah i don't know if you know anyone uh, you know, you know, who could sing in English and do this kind of thing. And he's like, he's like, why don't you do it? Right, right. <laughs> and I was, it was like a slap in the face. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, okay. I've thought about this before in terms of instrumentation. Like I play drums, I play bass and piano. Blah, blah, blah. Like I had just never, like, I don't know. I had some like limitation in place, some block that was placed there by me for some arbitrary reason. And I was like, uh, okay. So I did. He's like, do it now. He's like, just sing, try start singing, play your song and start singing. And I did. And it was, of course, horrible. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like six months. He's like six months. He's like, do this. And in six months, you'll be fine. Well, yeah, because, so, cause, you know, you got to start somewhere. Right. And and if you're not used to doing it, especially not used to doing with integrated regularity, you need to make the adjustment. You need to like work those Muscle groups get it in, you know, <laughs> there's literally physicality that needs to happen with it just to get a comfort level with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then find literally finding your voice. So, um, like what, what, where, where, how should my voice sound? What am I capable of? What am I, you know, what would I like it to sound like? What's real, um, for it. And, um, so that, and then as well as like lyric writing, I've never really done that before. Um, as I mentioned before, like, you know, Paul writes the stuff and like afterwards we may look at it together and make sure all is good. But, um, but it's different when it's, really you're the one yeah, on coming the line with stuff. it. Yeah. Right. So I will have to thank my wife because she, she helped with the, like the original few songs. We kind of co-wrote them and then like the sort of the training wheels came off and I'm like, okay, like I'm getting the swing of it. But yeah, it was a, it was really really difficult probably one of the most difficult things in my entire musical career but anyway it's it's done and, and you can do it <laughs> it's sort of like it's so cheesy to believe in yourself but like you're it's you know it, it, it won't happen if you don't try at least and try hard and for a while and see if it, it can be something and almost the most important works. thing is is just being comfortable with your own voice too like you know with the limitations and imperfections as much as anything else like it's it's easy to like you, I've seen the most well-trained singers in the world but they have no confidence of any kind and it's it's like okay well you're no perfect but who gives a shit <laughs> Right right 
Yeah, not to and put again, your point, it, point on it, but I mean. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and, and it matters if you give a shit about what you're doing. Yeah. So like when you mean, <laughs> again, with this genuine shit, like when you mean what you're, what you're saying, like it, it, it'll connect even if it's not perfect. I'm never out to be perfect. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think perfect. What is perfection anyway? Like what, like, you know, it's yeah, oxymoron. Per- right. Perfect punk music. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. What does that mean? Yeah. But, but yeah. Right. And, and that's where I was going with it is that like, you know, there's folks where it's like, oh yeah, the tonality uh, is perfect. And like, you know, the pitch is perfect, but it's just, it's just, it it just doesn't matter. It's it's like a you know a a glass house or something. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't hit the way it should. And, and again, it, with a red step, it's different than than black card. But there is that there is like a genuine nature from it. Which for me, that's anything that kind of quote unquote comes from punk rock in the larger sense of the term, almost always has. Right. Right. Well, this is illuminating. I mean, you kind of well, you re, you kind of restructured or, or re, reframed something for me. But yeah, that genuinity, and especially when it comes from those places, like super important. Um, yeah, and and in terms of punk and that sort of you know need need to express, um, absolutely. Well, man, this has been great. Thanks so much for doing it. Uh, I, before I let you thanks go, thanks so much for having me. But also, yeah, it's super great, and and thanks again, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, last thing is that uh, I always ask. It's the only can question I ever ask anybody, and you can interpret it however you like. But when right. you do what you do, because it's necessary. <laughs> I, well, I can elaborate. Like music for me these days has become not so much like um, something I would sit down, like the music that I make for these kind of things. Like it's, it, it needs to come out and it's almost not up to me. <laughs> I don't know if that's cliche or, or silly, but it's kind of just when the need is there, when something is telling me this needs to be expressed, it needs to be done, then I at least listen to that and 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 do it. And that said, I would also like to, like I mentioned before, with getting back into guitar and kind of nerding out, I would like to also be able to look at music with a little, you know, like less less seriousness and, and kind of enjoy it on, on a different level and get back to that again. Beautiful. Tobias Nathaniel, <laughs> thank you so much, man. This, this, has, been, uh, this has been a treat. Again, thank you, again, thank you so much. It was great. And thanks for having me on again. Always. Take care, brother. Take care. Ah, oh, there he goes. Tobias Nathaniel, the Red Step, Blackheart Procession, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we referenced Black Summer about 15 times. Let's listen.
Red Step with the ghosts of our beginning. Before that, we had Black Summer. You can find the Red Step, uh, theredstep.bandcamp.com, and uh, you know anywhere else you want to get your music. That's fine. Gonna play a couple more tunes. Gonna play uh, the aforementioned. Well, I guess it's now the Evil Morty theme, but the blonde redhead <laughs> song that Tobias plays on that we referenced earlier. Uh, and we're going to close out the Black Art song after that. Uh, here we go. <laughs>
session <laughs> making a special point of playing something about the spell because we talked about the spell a lot and I think the spell's an underrated record and, and I, I for whatever reason just podcaster's instinct I guess I picked the most depressing sounding song on that record which is funny because it's not all <laughs> that's the one that's probably their most articulated record because it's not just all depression jams but it's uh you know it's good old doom and gloom <laughs> Black art style, y'all. I like it. It's good. Still works. Yeah, that's that's what's key. It's authentic. It's genuine. Uh, before that, we had what I guess is now known as the Evil Morty theme, but that's uh, this blonde redhead. Can you hear me now? Off of the melody of certain damaged like uh, melody of certain damaged lemons records certain damaged speech patterns apparently good lord that's the the coda for that record some folks call it a coda which is uh, it's not even listed on the record but it's, it's the last it's the last thing on there it's for the damage coda so anyway cool thanks for hanging in there this has been protonic reversal i'm your host Conan neutron that was Tobias Nathaniel. What a cool guy. Red Step. Go get it. Uh, Pravda. Pravda Records. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Again, uh, Red Step. The Red Step. Mancamp.com. This is my 
anywhere else you get your records. So the name of the show is Protonic Reversal. This show generally airs off. Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, Mr. 6 Mountain, America, 5 Pacific. Podcasted everywhere, hey, anywhere you get your podcasts. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. It's I've one episode sooner. 50,000 watts of power. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. One dollar a month will get you every episode. Ionize the air. Almost immediately. Less immediate as, as, as it's ever going to get. Uh, other than that, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Thanks for everyone sharing the shows around. This microphone turns sound into electricity. iTunes reviews, all that. It may seem silly, but it helps people discover the show. Can you hear me now? Out on Stay safe out there. You're dark and lonely. Got my radio on. Take it easy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? Leaves the transmitter! Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now?
Is it really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive? Emergency! Hey, hey! This is- 